If you were looking for the best of the best life and leadership lessons of 2022 from the Empower podcast, you are in the right place. Welcome to episode 132. Welcome to the Empower Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron, coming to you from Los Angeles, California. This show helps you turn insights into action for powerful leadership growth. I am so privileged to be the host of this podcast. I learn something new, whether I'm researching information for an episode But most of all, I learn something from my guests. I learn so much from my coaching clients. And I just feel honored and privileged to be doing the work that I'm doing. I so appreciate you showing up here week after week, tuning into the podcast, just being so gracious with your comments and your insights and also letting me know how you are using insights from the podcast, and you're putting them into action. I can't even tell you how grateful I am to know that. And just to know that the podcast might be helping you in some way. It brings a lot of meaning to me to know that I'm on this path with you and that you're not alone. I know leadership can be a lonely journey for so many people. It doesn't have to be. You don't have to do it alone. We are in this together. And again, This episode is all about some of the top 13 life and leadership lessons of 2022. I've had some time to pause and to reflect on this year. And as you know from the episodes I've recorded in the past, and if you don't know, you'll hear it now, 2022 has been, woo, it has been a doozy. My husband was diagnosed last December at this time with cancer. He had stomach and esophageal cancer. The cancer journey is no joke. In the beginning, there's so much uncertainty and fear and just it just hits you on such a guttural level. And it's so difficult, especially during the holidays. And then I ended up losing my husband to cancer in May, actually on May 13th of this year, 2022. I've taken time to grieve. I'm still grieving. I'm in the grieving process. I don't know when the grieving process ends. I don't know that it ever will be. I I had such a deep and meaningful relationship with my husband. We had a magical relationship. I can't even say enough about it. I, I would be here for another 100 podcast episodes talking about the love I have for my husband. But what I also learned is that, you know, business went on, my partnership grew stronger. I had so much gratitude for the support that I had. It was a very eye-opening year on so many different levels. What I want to do for you is I want to distill the top 13 life and leadership lessons that I had and I experienced. Some of them were my personal experience. And some of them were, like I said, either with my guests being on the show or lessons that I learned through the coaching process as I'm helping guide people on their personal journey. I talk about it consistently on the show. It is such a privilege to be doing the work that I'm doing. 
I am grateful every single day because my work doesn't feel like work. I I feel so aligned and so just happy and deeply fulfilled knowing that I'm a catalyst to helping people make the changes. And they can be anywhere from what I call chiropractic tweaks in their leadership to completely monumental transformational changes, both in their life and their leadership. Again, we are going to dive into the top 13 lessons of 2022. So I want to preface this by saying these are not in any particular order. In my thought process, threw them down on paper. So like I said, they're, they're not in any order. The first one I do feel is really important. If you only took one thing away from this podcast, I would say take this lesson away. The first lesson is lead your company and your life and your leadership according to your values. You have to get clarity on your values. And I'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit. Having clarity of your values, it brings so much freedom. And what that freedom consists of is it helps you make decisions faster. It helps you know the direction you're going. If you think about trying to take a journey and life is a journey, how do you know how what path to take if you don't know what the destination is? And the values are what guide you along the destination. And I can give you so many coaching examples of this from my coaching clients. So I have one client who is an entrepreneur, and she has considered going back to corporate for some time now. We keep revisiting. Every time we have these conversations, I help uncover the fact that so much of it is fear-based for her. Going back to corporate does not align with her core values. Her core value, her main core value is freedom. She didn't have that in the particular corporate role that she was in. I have other folks that are working in corporate that do feel freedom in their roles. They're maybe working in a hybrid environment, and that's what's important to them. Or they have freedom for making a lot of their decisions autonomously. But for her, it was around physical freedom. She wants the freedom to go travel and do work from anywhere in the United States and even abroad. So again, getting clear on her values and coming back to those core values has really been powerful, a powerful compass for her to help her move forward in her path in life. And so again, what it enables us to do is just dig underneath that and what's really going on for her. And it's, it's about fear. And we're coaching through the fear. We're getting there. But again, living life according to your values is one of the most powerful things you can do for your life, for your family, for your leadership, for yourself. If you haven't done values work, I encourage you to work with a coach or feel free to reach out to me because that really is the basis of where we start in the coaching process. We help you get really clear on those values. Once you identify those values, also helping you identify what does that mean for me? You heard me mention freedom in a couple of different aspects for this one particular coaching client, but for freedom for someone else might mean something completely different. And so we go through the process of really helping you identify not only those values, but what does integrating those values look like for you in your life? And I'll circle back to John getting diagnosed with cancer, and it really brought to light our core values as a couple. My core values are all about family, 
connection, impact, integrity, honesty. One of the things I was able to do and John and I were able to do together is we were able to spend time. We were able to get really clear on what was important to both of us. And my work enabled me to do that. So I share that, those couple of examples of how values can come to light and how they can show up in your life when you get really clear on them. It really helps you make decisions. I was really clear that I wasn't going to be working 80 hours a week while John had cancer. The reason why I had that clarity is because I was really clear on my core values. So I invite you with lesson number one to think about what are your core values and have you done the work that you need to do in order to get that clarity? And if you haven't, feel free to reach out and get that support that you need to get that clarity and to do that values work. It's so important and such a great foundation for your life. Okay, life and leadership lesson number two, you need to have a vision. That vision needs to translate into a plan. And you also need to be nimble and agile along the way. A lot of my clients come to me and they say, you know, I'm just not happy. I'm not fulfilled. I feel stuck. I don't know what to do. And this is the second part of the work that we do together is we develop a plan and we get really clear on what their vision is, what their vision is for their leadership, what their vision is for their life. Where do they want to be? What's going to be fulfilling? We get in and we ask those tough, sometimes difficult, but very empowering questions around your life. And do you have a plan not only for your leadership, but do you have a life plan? And what does that look like? I'm sitting here sharing with you at 52, and I feel like time is slipping away. Of course, this year brought to light that we never know how much time we have. And so do you have a plan for the time that you want to spend on this earth? Do you have a plan for your leadership? Do you have a plan for your team? Do you have a plan for your family? Do you have a plan for what you want to do? And when something comes and knocks you off course, do you have the ability to be nimble and agile and to go off course, but then come back to your plan? If you have that plan, it's really easy to come back to. Life lesson number two, leadership lesson number two, have a plan, work your plan. Otherwise, any path will get you there. I think it's important. Number three, life lesson. This is definitely one I knew, but I didn't know to the depth that I knew this year, is that life can be beautiful and life can be painful all at the same time. What I would share is that John and I had some of our best memories and times together after he got diagnosed with cancer. We also had wonderful memories before that. But there was just something changed, something changed in our relationship that it just puts a different lens on life when you know that there's a finality. And hello, we all know that there's finality to life. But when you have a diagnosis kind of hanging over your head, what do you do with it? And can you find beauty in that? I mean, we made jokes about cancer we found ways to, to laugh and to banter and to have fun and to find the beauty in the mess, all while dealing with the pain. And it definitely didn't minimize the pain. 
But especially after John passed, what I found is I didn't allow myself to go down a dark hole because I still chose, and it was a purposeful decision, I still chose to see the beauty in my friendships and the beauty in the support that I was receiving. The beauty in just taking a walk and getting out of the house and uh, seeing the moon and the sunsets every night. Those have been my connections to John since he's been since he's not here anymore. And I still marvel at the beauty of life. Again, it can be beautiful and painful all at the same time. A great example of this is it had only been two weeks since John had passed. Hannah had her graduation ceremony from college. And so here I was in tears. I was so proud was so excited that she had graduated and she had graduated with honors and her graduation ceremony was amazing and beautiful. It was a beautiful day. We celebrated with her friends and and her friends' families. And it was this lovely gathering and celebration of this momentous occasion in her life, something I was so proud of. I know that John was so proud of her as well. And we celebrated And I grieved at the same time that day. You can grieve and you can enjoy the beauty and the pain all at the same time. And so I invite you to think about in your life, where has there been some pain? Where has there been some grieving? And maybe how can you call in some of the beauty? And how can you recognize it and be more present to it in your life? And likewise, how can you do that in your leadership? These last few years have been very, very difficult on leaders, especially on leaders. There's so much uncertainty in our organizations, and especially this time of year with kind of an impending recession and the climate the way it is right now, a lot of layoffs happening. You know, how can you find the beauty while you're in this process of leadership? And I invite you to think about and be intentional about how you can do that for yourself and for your team. Okay, lesson number four. And this is a big one. Hopefully I'm going to be debunking a big myth here that I think we all carry. It's a big limiting belief that we all have. Drumroll, please. People can change. Yes, you heard it here. People can change. We have this limiting belief, of, oh, people can't change. Now, What's true is you can't change other people, but what is true is you can change yourself. And I have seen this over and over and over again in my practice this year, the year before that, the year before that. I mean, it's incredible to watch people change. And this is where the true privilege of my my role is, is being witness to that. Oh my gosh, it's so, so powerful. I just had a coaching call yesterday with a younger woman who she's been trying to find her way. And when I say find her way, she is brilliant. She has great business instincts. She's got great experience under her belt already. She's working for a very powerful entrepreneurial woman herself. She's been given a lot of responsibility, a lot of authority, but she I think was doubting herself prior to coaching. We've been working together now for about six months. And the call that we had yesterday, I had goosebumps the entire call. 
because she was talking about how she's taken the lessons from coaching. She's truly integrated them. And there's always this normal process that people go through where in the first couple months of of coaching, they're kind of saying, you know, I don't I don't understand if, if this is working. And it's more of an internal conversation. But I know that they question, you know, is this working? What's happening? I'm not really seeing these big changes. And then all of a sudden, it happens. And there's something that just gets switched and gets lit up. And this is exactly what happened to her. She is exhibiting so much internal confidence. What that's doing for her It's really solidifying her role in her organization. It's solidifying and changing the dynamics of some of her family dynamics. It's allowing her to have more boundaries with people in her life. It's just been so thrilling to be on that journey with her and to watch those changes. So I leave that as just one example of many throughout this year, myself included, I'm open to changing. I'm open to growing. But holy moly, I I never knew how much grief would change me. And it is by far absolutely changed me into a better person. I've always considered myself an empathetic person, but I, I find myself more deeply empathetic. You know, once you've been cracked open and just so vulnerable You find a depth of empathy that I just didn't have before. And I'm so grateful I have it. So I'm open to change. And the bottom line is everyone can change, but it's work. And my question to you, kind of my provocation to you is if you want something and if there is something that you want to change about yourself, are you willing to do the work? And it doesn't have to be with me, but are you willing to do the dedicated work that it takes and that's necessary to make that change. It's okay if the answer is no, but just own it. Own it, accept it, and just own to yourself that you're not willing to to do the work and you don't want to make it that change maybe right now. Maybe it's not the right time for you. And that's okay. Have grace with yourself, but know that everyone can change. Okay, lesson number five. We cannot do life leadership, love alone. I I can't even tell you how in my personal experience, I've never felt the amount of support that I have felt in my life this year. John has always been my cheerleader. He's always been my biggest support. And without him, I I honestly didn't know how I was going to move forward. But what I can tell you is that so many people filled in the gap And obviously, no one will ever replace John in terms of the support that I felt and the partnership. But holy moly, because I was open, I I had an open mind about receiving. So many people were so amazing to me this year, and I, I couldn't have gotten through this year. First and foremost, my kids. My kids have been amazing support for me this year. We had a great summer. Hannah ended up moving home and she's still living with me. And that has just been such a great transition for me. And I know we've been supporting each other through the grieving process, but we all had a great summer. We enjoyed each other's company. We just kind of really slowed down and and took time to just enjoy time with each other. And it was really beautiful. Secondly, my business partner, Lori, holy moly. Ooh, 
she carried me and she carried our business through the absolute toughest time in my life. She had my back the entire time. She supported me in the way that I needed to be supported. Honestly, I always knew she was a great partner. I knew it even before John got diagnosed with cancer, but she solidified in such a deep way our partnership for life. And I can't imagine not having her in my life as a partner. I feel privileged and honored to be in business and in a partnership that is just so giving and loving and supportive and challenging in all the best ways. She challenges me to be a better leader and she challenges me to be a better person. And her support has meant everything to me this year. And I am eternally grateful. And then the support of, you know, my friends and family and newer friends. Uh, I've mentioned in previous episodes, newer friends who stepped in, uh, friends who, you know, I didn't know that well, but people just sent cards and letters and gifts and dinners and gift cards and, you know, for meals. And I mean, it has just been, honestly, it's been overwhelming. (laughs) It, It really has. It's been overwhelming. But I am so, so deeply grateful. So I invite you to think about for your own life, where have you been trying to do things alone? And where can you get support? Is there maybe an area of your life you need to ask for more support? Maybe it's at work. Maybe you need to ask for more support because you're just spread so thin. Maybe you need an executive assistant that's, you know, doing a better job. Maybe you Maybe you need more bodies on your team. Maybe you need more resources. Whatever it might be, maybe it's at home. Maybe you need more support with the emotional and physical labor of taking care of the house or taking care of the dogs or taking care of the kids. Whatever it might be, where do you need support? And where are you willing to lean in and and ask for that support? It's so important We all need support. We cannot do this alone. Okay, on to lesson six. Here is what I know going through the grieving process is that everyone in some way, shape, or form is grieving. People are dealing with the loss of a spouse, a child. People are dealing with families who have had a a tough medical diagnosis People are dealing with the the loss of a job, potentially the loss of a promotion. I had a really good friend of mine lose her fur baby this year. It's been big for her. I mean, he was her soulmate and her support. And there's definitely nothing to be minimized about that. People are losing. They've either lost a connection with a friend or... People are grieving that expectation of something. Maybe they had an expectation for a relationship or a friendship, and maybe that hasn't come to fruition. But everyone is grieving in some way. We're not grieving all the time in every way, but everyone is in some way grieving. I think there's an opportunity for us to, to dive deeper, to have more meaningful conversations, to show more empathy more caring, and more concerned. Also learn about the grieving process and what people need in that grieving process. Because what I will tell you 
people don't need is other people telling them what to do and how to do it and how to move forward and that they should just look on the positive side. And there's a lot of advice giving and toxic positivity. And the best thing that you can do for people is just ask them how they're doing, how you can help, and what support they need from you in that moment. So I will leave that there, but just know that everyone is grieving. Number seven, this is a big one too. This is a really powerful one for me. I see it a lot in my coaching practice. Have you defined success for yourself? Have you defined success on your terms? Not what everyone else is doing, not what society is telling you is successful, but have you defined what success means to you? And if you haven't, what I can tell you is this is an extremely powerful process and a gift that you can give to yourself. It's going to save you so much heartache and so much comparisonitis because when you see people doing things that, yes, are appealing and, you know, maybe they're elevating in their organization, maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe that isn't what success is for you. Maybe success is spending as much time traveling the world. And that's all you want to do. That's great. But the person maybe climbing the corporate ladder, maybe that's not their focus. And so define success for yourself and what specifically that means to you. This is right up there with values. It's important work. And what I can tell you is that there are a lot of people that come to my coaching practice they are wildly successful on paper. They have all the things. They have the title. They have the success. But they are wildly unfulfilled. There is a big opportunity here to redefine success on your terms. Here's also what's interesting is when Lori and I are coaching in our group coaching and we ask people, because we both just did this in our groups, At the end of the year, we helped our groups reflect on 2022 and identify their key successes and what they were most proud of in 2022. And I invite you to do the same thing. What was so interesting about this exercise, and we summarized it afterwards, is we shared, you know, what we noticed is that the successes you spoke about weren't getting to the next level in the organization, weren't getting that bump in salary. Those things are great. But what most people were most proud of was something personal, seeing their kids graduate, helping their grandmother who was ill and spending time with her and being able to be there for her when she needed them. Those were the kind of things that we heard throughout the conversations. And I just thought it was interesting what people found most successful and what they were proud of weren't those things that are typically defined as a success in our society. So I invite you to see where you can reconcile that for yourself. Number eight, gratitude is the key to happiness. I did entire podcast episodes on this. If you want to go back and listen to episode 130, where I talk about finding gratitude in grief, um, or even 126, which is really the number one thing you need for happiness and success, It all goes down to gratitude, gratitude, living your core values, but really being grateful and choosing to focus in on gratitude. There are so many people in our lives that all they do is focus in on the negative. We call those energy vampires. 
And they just know how to suck all the positive energy out of our day, our week, our meetings. You know, the key is to find gratitude where you can. It has been immensely helpful for me this year in a really tough year because I could easily get angry. I could get angry at cancer. I could just be mad at a lot of things, but I have chosen to focus in on gratitude and I am so grateful for the time that I got to spend with my husband. I'm grateful for the memories that we've created together. I'm grateful for the support. I literally have a gratitude list that I make for myself every single day. And so I invite you to think about how can you invite more gratitude into your life? At night, when you're getting ready to go to bed, ending your night by thinking about the five things that you were grateful for that day, and then waking up in the morning as part of your routine Choosing to say to yourself, I'm going to be intentional today. I'm going to try to find gratitude today. And when you have that mindset, you can't be in a negative headspace and trying to find gratitude at the same time. It's impossible. So I invite you to give that a try. Number nine, this is a big one too. These are all big ones, but I would say one of the themes that comes up in my interviews, my coaching calls, with all leaders in all levels of organizations, and also people personally, when they're not happy, they're not fulfilled, something's just not going right, they're feeling stuck. Many times, a difficult conversation needs to be had. And so number nine is have the difficult, messy, uncomfortable conversations, because most likely, they're way worse in your head than they are in person. I'm just going to give a couple examples of these. One of the conversations a lot of people choose not to have because they don't want to focus in on, quote unquote, the negative is they don't ask their partner their dying wishes. And what do you want for your funeral? And what do you want for me in in my future? Maybe after you're not here, what songs do you want to play at your funeral? And what I will tell you is that John was a therapist, for goodness sakes. I mean, we had deep conversations all the time, but we have, we avoided this one. He has written me letters, a lot of love letters that I continue to find throughout the house, and they're stashed in different places, which is beautiful. And it has his wishes for me and the life that he wants me to live. And, and he did share that with me. But we didn't have the difficult conversation about, you know, what do you want for your funeral? And what do you want for your services? The only thing I knew is that he wanted to be buried. Other than that, it left me with a lot of questions and it made me want to know if I was honoring him in the way that he wanted to be honored. So have those conversations, have the difficult conversations that are hard to have. And then also, you know, the other thing is, is um, I had three friends of mine that were very close to me who really didn't show up while John was sick. And it was deeply hurtful, but I had, I I honestly didn't have time to deal with it until after he passed. And, you know, I went in with a, an open mindset to those conversations, but I did have those conversations and I asked those friends, like, and I came from a place of curiosity. I wasn't angry. I, I mean, I shared my feelings and how it affected me, but I just said, you know, Hey, I'm just curious. Like what happened? Where did you go? what happened to our friendship? And I I needed you probably the most I've ever needed you. You just kind of disappeared. You know, help me understand that. Those conversations in all three incidences left 
our friendships in a better place. And what I came to understand is that they just didn't know how to deal with with grief and they didn't know how to deal with my sadness and they knew the depth of my sadness. They didn't know what to say. They didn't know what to do because, you know, for, for the most part, because of their own discomfort with with grief and with sadness. And, and you know what? I understood that and I forgave them and we've moved on and we're moving forward in a healthy, productive, amazing way. And I'm just grateful that I had those conversations instead of just letting the friendship go. And I think I would have done that in the past. I think in my younger years, I would have just let the friendship go. I didn't choose to do that this time. I chose to lean in and have those uncomfortable conversations that were really hurtful for me. But like I said, you know, what conversations do you need to have? And they could be at work. They could be with your boss. They could be whatever that is for you. What I know is most people have difficult conversations that they are avoiding because none of us like them. They're not easy. But what I can tell you is that the results can be really powerful. Number 10, advocate for yourself. This is kind of also tied into kind of those conversations that are sometimes difficult. But are you advocating for yourself enough? I'm speaking to my female audience members. What I know is you're not. You're not advocating for yourself. You most likely have your head down. You're doing a great job. You're waiting to be recognized. You know, this isn't about showboating. This isn't about being cocky. This isn't about, you know, creating a huge banner, letting everyone know all of your accomplishments. But where are you being strategic in advocating for yourself in your organization? Where are you advocating for yourself at home? What are you doing to really shine the light on yourself? Because if you're waiting for other people to do it, it might not ever happen. And it might not happen as quickly as you need it to happen. And they might not showcase you the way you want to be showcased. So find a way to advocate for yourself. This could be speaking up for yourself in your annual performance review. This could be asking for a larger role in the organization. It could be asking for professional development. It could be whatever it is for you. Just do it. Advocate for yourself. Okay. Number 11. I've talked about all the support that I've received this year. And even before John passed, the support I received from John about transitioning from one career, my corporate career to my entrepreneurial career. Ooh, number 11, learning to receive. Holy moly. I have been in this mode for three, four or five years now. But especially this year, I was really bad at receiving, receiving support, accepting support. But this year has taught me a big lesson in terms of how I how I receive and am I open to receiving. You know, if someone offered to help in the past, a lot of times I would say, no, 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 it's okay. I've got it. Don't worry about it. But this year, I had to be open to receiving because I just couldn't do everything. I didn't have the energy. I wasn't in the right mindset. It was really hard for me, to honestly, to accept and to receive my business partner's partnership. I, I'm so glad I did because she gave me so much freedom to, to be with John and to, to be where I needed to be. And I have zero regrets. And I was able to have zero regrets because I learned to receive this year. So where in your life do you need to lean into receiving from others and being comfortable with it? And even if you're not comfortable with it, just do it anyway. 
just get, you know, try, try receiving from people in your life, just saying okay to the help that people are offering. And I think you're going to notice some big changes coming your way. Number 12, I, I think this is obvious based on the year I've had, but share your thoughts and feelings with the people that matter the most in your life. Tell them you love them. Tell your team how much you appreciate them. Well-being, mental health is such a hot topic right now because so many people are struggling. And as a leader, you can make a significant difference in someone's life by just recognizing them and telling them how much you appreciate the work that they do. And at home, tell the people you love that you love them. I, at widow camp, ran into so many widows Unfortunately, most of them were female who they were young and their husbands just left in the morning to work and either had a heart attack or were in a drunk driving accident where a drunk driver hit them or someone got hit by lightning on a fishing trip. Some of them didn't get to say what they wanted to say to their spouse that morning. So make sure that you're telling the people in your life your thoughts and feelings and how much they mean to you. And number 13, my favorite number is 13, so that's why I did 13. This is a powerful one. It's important. And I'm going to conclude the podcast here. But number 13 is you are enough exactly the way you are. You have what you need to move forward. You don't need to be anyone else. You don't need to act like anyone else. Bring all of you and all of your authenticity and everything that you are and all that you embody, bring forward every day knowing that you are enough. You don't need anything else or anyone else to validate you. You are enough exactly the way you are. So those are my 13 life and leadership lessons that I've learned through my own year of grieving and gratitude all mixed up together in the beauty I've learned from my clients. I've, I've learned from, you know, interviewing guests on the podcast. And again, I'm just so, so grateful for all of you that continue to tune in week after week, share the podcast with a friend, would love to get the word out there more and have a bigger impact. But from the deepest place in my heart, I am so grateful. I'm grateful that you continue to be here with me on this journey and doing this together. And I wish you the happiest of holidays and a happy new year. I will see you back here the first week of January, sending you so much love and health and happiness. And I will see you again soon. Take care and bye for now.